Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, Wellness Warriors, and welcome to any new listeners. I am Asada Jones, and this is What Makes Me Well. So every episode, I sit down with a special guest, and we discuss all the different aspects of their life that make them well. This week, I'm bringing you a conversation with two women that I admire the pants off of, Ella Duke and Joanna Tim. They are the co-owners of Apiary Wellness, Wheela CBD brand, Copacking USA, and I'm sure a bunch of different other businesses, but in this episode, we just talk about the three, and you guys, they have figured out the key to heterosexual life partnerships. (laughs) Not only are they business partners, they are also best friends. They are also neighbors. Their lives are so intertwined in a way that is supportive of each other. When I met them, I knew that I wanted to talk to them about their relationship and about how they are each other's support systems. But before I play the episode, a little bit of housekeeping. Listeners, if you haven't already, please rate and review this podcast on your listening platform. If you're on Apple Podcast, five stars would be much appreciated. If you're on Spotify or Stitcher or whatever other platform you're on, you can subscribe to the podcast or follow it and leave a review. And speaking of reviews, I've made a promise that if you leave a review, I would read it on the next episode. So coming from the Apple Podcast app. This review is from Tabby from your new best friends podcast. Hey, Tabby. Tabby says, love the show. Always keeps me interested and always look forward to new episodes. Can't recommend it enough. Thanks, Tabby. Good looking out, girl. Another review from SB11573 reads, love it. Love this podcast. Conversation flows naturally, and I always learn something useful. Highly suggest. Thanks, SB11573. I appreciate that you appreciate the show. Last but most certainly not least, listeners, if you have a question, you have a concern, you want advice about something concerning your health and well-being, I'll be more than happy to dish out some advice. Email me, whatmakesmewell at gmail.com. I'll answer your question on the show anonymously, and hopefully your question can help somebody else in our podcast community. All right, listeners, let's get into it. This is my conversation with Joanna Tim and Ella Duke. Enjoy. Thanks for joining me, you guys. Thank you for having us. How are you guys doing in the times of Corona? Our new normal. Mm-hmm. Yes. How are you guys? How are you guys doing? Pretty good. Um, we're good. I love to isolate. I'm an introvert, so this is this is like the moment that you wait for in life when everyone else gets on board. Like everyone has my love language. No one's touching right now. We do like elbow pats. This is a great time to be alive. <laughs> Ella, how are you holding up? I'm doing good. Um, You know, nothing has really changed for us. We actually started homeschooling my kids, two of the three, uh, about a little over a month ago before this all started. So we we good. (laughs) You're just smooth sailing, not smooth sailing, but you know, no big change, no big hiccups in like your family life. That's really, I mean, that's really fortunate. Not a lot of people 
are getting that. That's really awesome. Yeah. We've had a month to adjust to this new way of life, which I think yeah. was super fortuitous. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Well, thank you again for agreeing to be on my podcast. I love you guys. Thank you so much. I want to get right into it. So this is the first time I'm interviewing two people. So bear with me here. Um, mm-hmm. And also, this is the first time I'm doing this with so much technology. So um, bear with me here. But um, I want to do this one at a time. The main question is, what is your recipe for wellness? Joanna, let's start with you. Recipe for wellness. So um, I am like the most stereotypical introvert under the sun. Like I have social anxiety. I have general anxiety. I overthink everything. I'm bad at talking. Um, All the stereotypes in like one person that's me. So for me, self-care has always been about giving myself space to not um, try to be somebody different. I'm pretty much always going to be an introvert that doesn't do public speaking. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I collaborate with people who do like public speaking. I'm really against the idea of like all of your lesser character traits are bad. So self-care for me was like a big moment of just being really okay with accepting my, I don't even want to call them flaws because they're not flaws to me. It's just part of my personality. Right. So for me, that's doing things like watering my plants, taking time quite literally away from people, like no contact, no talking, giving myself time to actually take my brain out of the box because it's very, very busy in here all the time. So as of lately, that's been a lot of plant stuff. I definitely vary. I go through phases I went through a rock climbing phase. I went through a yoga phase. I went through a scrapbooking phase. I went through a knitting phase. So I like to like acquire skills going. Yeah, it, it seems like you like to keep it fresh. Like it's not just one thing. Maybe like the constant change is your recipe yeah. for wellness or is like your key to wellness. It is. I'm definitely prone to like hunkering down and staying in a box. So for me, wellness is about forcing myself out of that box, but not so far that I make myself feel bad about who I am. I like that. That's pretty refreshing. How did you find that that was the way to go? Like, was there a point where you were, where you were in a particular hobby or you were doing something, but then at some point it felt pretty stagnant? and you needed to change? What was that like? Yeah, for me, that was, um, it would be art, actually. I was really artistic as a kid. And that was my like main outlet. I was, you know, stereotypical art kid in school covered in paint all the time, you know, had a sketchbook everywhere. And it was really great. And it was a great way to download all of my thoughts. And it was a great way, great way to get those isolated moments. But then I realized that it was really easy for me to like fixate on needing to do that. It was like, you know, oh, I have to draw or I have to do this or I'm not okay. And so I didn't like that. I didn't like that it was a one trick pony. And so that's that's when I started trying to venture into like, okay, I may not know how to do this, or it might make me a little uncomfortable, but let me try another thing, another tool for self-care. And that's 
like a train I've been rolling on for the better part of like 15 years now. Yeah. Was it like a feeling of, um, um, what's that word when you, when you've outgrown something, um, evolved. Yeah. (laughs) Well, maybe. Yeah. Did it feel like you've kind of outgrown your art and like, did you feel dissatisfied with it? I got to a point where art's kind of like a funny, um, thing to do for self-care because it's a really easy way to like fixate on the things that make your art good. And usually your art's good because you're emotional. And so you almost like want to be emotional as an artist. Um, And I really wasn't fond of like developing that character trait in myself. Like you almost start to like, like feeling uncomfortable all the time and just like having something to fixate on what's wrong. And I just like personally feel like that's not, the way to go as far as self-care goes, you're trying to go the opposite direction. So that was what really kicked it into full gear for me is having a mental illness and being like, I'm kind of wallowing in my mental illness as opposed to just accepting it and doing things to not think about it all the time. Yeah, that's pretty great. I like that. What, what, um, were you raised with, um, did somebody teach you that level of self-awareness or was that something that you had to just kind of um, develop on your own? Um, a little a little bit of both. Mental illness is really accepted in my family. It's not frowned upon. There's alcoholism in my family. There's depression in my family. There's bipolar disorder in my family. It definitely wasn't um, something that like from day one in life, we're all like, yeah, this is super fine. Let's go. It took some, it took some ebb and flow for sure. Um, I was really fortunate that my parents are very accepting of mental illness and they took me to counselors. They helped me find coping skills. So I was definitely raised in an environment where like, it's a very healthy and normal thing to deal with your emotions and not just shove them in a box. Um, so I definitely benefited from that. And then I actually moved to a foreign country when I was, um, 19 and I lived on a military base and I was a military wife and I was very isolated. And when I really had to be like forced to be alone with my own thoughts, that's when I started to really take it seriously. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I can definitely see how being alone with your own thoughts makes you kind of forced to look at your own shit and shift, uh, sift through it, like, sift through your shit. That's hard to say. Um, but yes. <laughs> um, so I want to transition to Ella. Ella, what is your recipe for wellness? Oh gosh. Um, For me, it's definitely finding something that I can be consistent in and that isn't going to bore me easily and that isn't going to, like Joanna, become something that I start to feel bad about if I don't do it. And so for me, that's, that's cycling. I love cycling. It's, it's what I do. I, Probably cycles somewhere around three to four days a week. Uh, it really helps me to, you know, to, to get it out, especially now with the social distancing yeah. thing going on. 
Um, I don't have to go to a gym. I don't have to go to a cycling studio. It's there. It's in my bedroom. I jump on my bike. I go for as long as I want to go. And, and that really, really helps me. That's awesome. Do you have a Peloton? I do. That's so cool. That is so cool. <laughs> I mean, I, I, oh man, I took a cycling class like twice twice. I tried it twice. And it was fun. I mean, the guy, like he had us like dance, he played like a lot of salsa. And so he's like, and it was so much fun. But I just could not deal with the pressure. Mm -hmm. You know, the the, the pressure on the on the down below. And um, it it, uh, I, I really was like, I think something shifted or broke or cracked. Um, yeah. Maybe I'm sitting on it wrong. Um, maybe I need a special seat or something. Um, Those are- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was, and I like, I bruised, like I, you know, it's, it takes a lot of pressure to see bruises on my skin tone. So yeah, it was pretty, they, pretty were, they were there. Um, yeah. So, you <laughs> so know, <TMI>. I- <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, back to you. So, so definitely cycling is, is part of my wellness recipe. Um, the food that I eat is is a big part of it. When I tried to be vegan, when I tried to be a vegetarian, when I tried low carb diets or high fat diets, it became something that just wasn't attainable um, long term. And so I, I just eat what I want yeah. <laughs> and I try to keep it healthy, but I allow myself, um, the, you know, the ability to eat an entire loaf of Cuban bread, if that's what I want, like I did the other day. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's fine. And that's fine. And I am, you know, I'm, I'm happier that way. And I, I love myself more that way. And yeah, that's it what you want and find exercise that you love <laughs> yeah truly that is like the the way to live because otherwise you just I mean I feel let me not project it onto everybody otherwise I'm just killing myself uh-huh truly um so how did you figure out that that was your path to well-being trial and error okay trial what was the yep. not healthy version of yourself like um, you know, I, I've, I've probably had a gym membership at every gym in town. I've tried working out with personal trainers individually. I've tried, you know, regular yoga, aerial yoga. All of those things are great. They're all fun. But I feel like for me personally, and this doesn't go for anybody else, it just came with that feeling of you have to do this every day. You have to keep a certain diet or this isn't going to work. Yeah, that's not for everybody. It's, it doesn't work for everybody. And I feel like that's the mission of this podcast, you know, like it, I want to talk to people that have a different recipe than I do because I'm not the only one that thinks like this. You're not the only one that thinks like this. So let's try to connect the bridge because there is somebody out there that is killing themselves over their workout program or over 
what they're eating because they feel that on some level they have to nail this in order to be completely, and I mean nail this in the traditional sense that we see on Instagram, that we see on, that is idolized. Um, they feel like if they don't get it, they're going to, they're less than, and that's not the truth. You are a testament to that. You are a healthy person. You have a very full life, a very successful career. Um, and you eat, like you said, you eat what you want and you find an exercise routine that works for you. (laughs) Yeah. 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 My husband actually walked into the, the kitchen the other night when I, 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 really did eat a loaf of Cuban bread all by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he walks in and he's like, you polished off an entire loaf, huh? And I'm like, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Who's to say? Who's to say? <laughs> Was there Cuban bread here in the first place? Right. But, you know, the, the point that I'm trying to make is if, if I denied myself that, if, if, if you deny yourself a glass of wine or you just deny yourself a piece of chocolate or a, a piece of pie every once in a while, you, you are, you're, you're, you're killing yourself and, you know, not, not in the, in, in, in the real sense, but, but you're, you're hacking away at your soul, at what gives you joy, at what makes you well. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk to both of you now and I want to shift to your support systems. I feel like you are each other's support system. And I find that beautiful, enviable in the sense that I don't like, I don't want to like single white female you guys, but like, I would like my own. (laughs) Like, I like, you know, I want my own Gail. I want my own Oprah type of situation. Um, which by the way, side note, have you guys like listened to Gail and Oprah talk about their friendship in the last year or so? No, but no. Maybe we no, no, we want to. You really should because I they they historically they've like kind of been very under wraps about it because you know, like the gay phobia thing. Um and they never really talked about their friendship before. But now in like interviews, they're like talking about, yeah, it's been forty years since we're friends and it's they have a beautiful relationship and I'm sure, I'm sure that it's, you know, a little glossed over and they're not talking about the fights on the phone and all that stuff. But I feel like the essence of their true friendship really shows. And that's what I feel about you too, that um, you guys are very um, connected and supportive of each other in a way that um, you don't see a lot. Um, I certainly haven't experienced it. I thought I did, but I was mistaken, (laughs) but it's okay. We're working on that in therapy. But anyway, back to you guys, tell me about your, um, support system with, uh, of each other, within each other. And how did that come to be? Do you want to go or you want me to go? So it starts 15 lifetimes ago. Oh, wow. No, but sort of. Um, (laughs) okay. So Ella and I met through, um, a mutual friend, Lulu Rivera Freeman. Uh, she is still our bestie. Uh, it was her wife's birthday and Lulu and I were going through yoga school and I had just moved back to the U S from Germany and I moved here to Orlando and I'm not from here. So I didn't 
really know anyone. So she was like, hey, come out, have a good time with us. Um, so Ella and I kind of like smiled and interacted from across the room and we were both like, oh, she's really cool. Um, but I was even more awkward then than I am now. And so I retreated back to my corner of life and we just sort of social media interacted for a while. And then um, she opened a yoga studio and I wanted to work there. And so she uh, tells me, you know, come in for an interview. Myself and my partners will watch you do a yoga class and we'll go from there. So I'm like, okay. And so I get there and it's just her. And she's like, my partners aren't coming. I'm going to hire you. It's fine. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, cool. Okay. And, and then she pulls out this book called Sacred Contracts. And she goes, so... No, no joke. This is a real story. Um, she says, so fine, go. You're, you're just going to throw this out there. People are going to think we're so weird. People are anything we're weird. Let's just tell them the real story. Um, so, so she goes, we have a soul contract and I don't know how many lifetimes it's been going on, but we're supposed to be together. What? And Ella. it was like, <laughs> it was like coming home i was like yes <laughs> i feel that's even more surprising i don't know what shocks me more the fact that ella said oh by the way we're supposed to be together and you were like no yeah i feel it too yeah yeah, yeah totally i was like totally on board i was like yes this this is true. I, I also feel that way. Um, and no, like no joke. That is, that is for real how this started. So um, how long ago so, was that? Like seven years ago? Seven years wow. ago, Steve. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sorry, all I yeah. can say is wow. That is such a funny story, you guys. It's really funny. Um, so after, you know, after that, we, we went on to do other things together. Um, we opened up Apiary Wellness. We um, started our own CBD brand. We started um, another company, and you know, I, really, what what I what I meant when I made that statement that day. Yeah, bro, you gotta is, um, people right now are like going on Instagram looking up Ella Duke just to see who this person is, so they can get a picture of this. Good grief. Um, what I meant was that, you know, from, from the moment Joanna and I met, um, it, it was really clear that we, you know, we connected on a much deeper level than your average everyday relationship. Um, and it, everything that we do would just is, is just easy. Uh, wherever I lack, yeah. she shines and vice versa. If she um, doesn't want to do something, she's really open. There's no beating around the bush. She's like, hey, I don't feel comfortable doing this. Can you do this? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, whenever I need support, she's there. Even if it's just like me texting her at 10 o'clock at night and saying, hey, do you got a second? Like, I just, I need to come outside and cry. And, you know, then I'm going to go back inside and take care of my kids. Um, just stuff like that. And... 
I think that in today's society, as connected as we are through social media and other outlets, we are very, very separated. Um, and this, this tribe mentality is coming back. And I think that now, especially with what's yeah. going on in the world, um, the need to find a tribe and keep a tribe is going to um, become more and more um, popular. Um, we've all seen that Facebook post of the best friends that bought a bunch of houses together and are growing old together, right? We've all seen it. We've all liked it. We've all tagged a friend. We're just living it. So as, you know, as, as weird as it may seem to, to people, like we, we just, we just have fun. And, you know, my husband and hers are friends and we run these businesses together and we do life together. And it's just, it's really great to have that kind of support and that, that, that tribe that is right there that you always have access to. But at the same time, there's like, okay, there's boundaries and like, leave yeah. me alone. Let's talk, <laughs> just, about, yeah. let's talk about how you guys have set up this amazing life of co-workers, um, life partners, I would say. It's like not even more, it's like more than friends. Um, what is it? Um, platonic life partners, right? Business partners. Um, heterosexual partners. There it is, heterosexual life partners. How is it that you have established those boundaries when your lives are so connected? And what does that look like having that conversation? Because like it's just like Oprah and Gail, it's not all picture perfect. So what what happens when the boundaries break down? We're very blunt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Just honesty. Very honest. We all embrace to know very early on in doing business together, Ella and I with our first business together, the Apiary, and then our significant others with us as we open more businesses. Um, we figured out really quickly that holding it in, having the tit for tat in your head, you'll do it in a friendship, you'll do it in a business relationship, just like you'll do it in a marriage. And you can choose not to do that in all of those relationships. But we typically only focus on that in marriage and in romantic relationships. We don't focus on that in business partnerships and in friendships. Yeah. We really should. We should care. That's really what it is. Like all of us decided that we cared as much about our business and friendships as we did our personal relationships, that one was not greater or lesser than the other. And so each relationship has its own moments where everybody says, you know, back the fuck off. Like this is, this is the moment where like, I need you to let this go. I need you to have my way. I need you to accept. Sometimes there's chancletas flying, you know, we are, <laughs> we are, we're a very honest group of people. Um, and so we just collectively decided to not, not um not carry that into all of our relationships with each other yeah there's also a certain level of of trust yeah. um so with with the apiary with our cbd brand with our um packing and filling company we we set we sit down and and we do so regularly and we examine the individual's zone of genius 
what happens a lot of times in business relationships and, and even in, in romantic relationships is that someone wants to do something, someone wants to be in charge of something for whatever reason, but it's not a good one. And there is no reason for me to run the books of our company. Uh, no matter how much I personally worry about the finances, and I think that in our group, I probably worry about the finances the most, and I get heated about finances the most, it's not my zone of genius. So for me to make the decision to want to be in charge of that part of our business would have probably been the ruin of our business. And so we're also really good at saying, okay, you're good at this, I'm not, so you're going to take this on, not me. And so there's trust. And then there's the honesty too, of being able to maybe tell that other person, Hey, you're not good at this. So you got to stop. <laughs> I feel really passionate about it. I know that you think that this could work, but that's not the case. And then on the other side of that, being able to accept that, that truth, because it's not criticism, it's just truth and keep going. Was there ever a point within your first business that you had together? Was there a point where you didn't have those boundaries established? Or was this something that you guys went into just ahead of time? No, that would be going to get all, you know, mystical. That would be probably the one fateful thing about our friendship um, that does make it feel like we've been at this for quite a while is that it was very easy. It did come very naturally from just finding the building. There's small battles that you don't realize you aren't having until you are in a relationship where you don't have them anymore and you see how much of a fight it was to maintain that relationship. That's how our friendship and business relationship you know, continued to grow when we opened the apiary. It was like a whole other level of realizing compatibility. That it was very easy for us to make decisions because I trusted her and I trusted her zone of genius. And I took the words that came from her seriously and honestly, and she did the same for me. And then we are just fortunate enough that our significant others carry that trait as well and that we continue to evolve in that manner. I love that. Do you guys have any recommendations for myself and the listeners for tools to build this type of relationship? So I think for for her and I, one of the one of the big ones for us is the desire to break cycles. So her and I both have experienced abusive relationships. Both her and I have um, had loved ones in our lives who have abused drugs or abused alcohol and, you know, have um, made that a part of our life. And so we're constantly, constantly examining our lives and looking at it and saying, okay, am I repeating a cycle? Or am I creating a new path? Because if I'm, if I'm repeating the cycle and I'm expecting to have a different outcome, then that's just crazy. Um, so that would be my, my one piece of advice to the listeners is just constantly examine your life and ask yourself, am I doing this because this is what I've always done and this feels safe and this, you know, I, I'm comfortable here or am I doing it for another reason? And if it's another reason, then explore that and, you know, keep going. Joanna, do you co-sign that? 
I do, I do. And I would say the the other very great lesson that she and I have learned along the way is cut people out. Um, we are living in a very amicable time period. We go to lengths to remain PC and pleasant that we have never done before. And it's led to a lot of really wonderful conversations, but it's also led to a lot of people keeping toxic people in their lives by making excuses for their behavior. Oh, Lord. Jesus. Okay. That's, that's good. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah. To quote the late, great Nipsey Hussle, the, uh, the circle got smaller. Everybody can't go. <laughs> sure. I totally agree. I I definitely think there are a lot of people who keep relationships out of habit um, because they're afraid to be alone. The thing about um, toxic people is we always focus, when you hear about like a friend, they're like, oh, I, got about, I got out of a toxic relationship or I had a toxic friendship or I had a toxic boss. We only focus on the other person in that story. We always say, you know, oh yeah, they have these traits, they have, they have um, these traits. But what I don't hear about very often are people focusing on the toxic traits in themselves that that person brings out. Sometimes the other person isn't really that toxic. It's that they enable you to be the most toxic version of yourself. Wow. Yeah. That's a <laughs> wonderful way to look at that. That's the truth. It is. Is. And and so I think when people maintain those relationships for really long periods of time and there isn't any growth between them, it's because that that is happening. Those two people are enabling the lack of growth. They're enabling the complacency. Um, we drive each other crazy because we're honest, because we we never let the threat of an argument stop us from saying hey, like, you could do better. I know this makes you uncomfortable, but you need to hear this. You have to be okay with yeah. hearing it and you have to be okay with giving it. Has there ever been a time where, like, you guys needed to, like, take time away from each other? No, no, but I will say um, between the two of us, I'm I'm definitely the most resistant to change. Um when Ella and I opened the Aviary, I was actually really adamant that I did not want to be 50-50 partners. I was like, I just want to be a massage therapist. I like my little bubble. I'm just going to rent some space and you can you can do all the like businessy things and it'll be fine. And she was just like, no, like you, you have so much wasted potential. I'm really tired of it. Grow the fuck up. And... That's, that's really like, that's, that's awesome. what I needed. Like, that's what a lot of introverts need is someone who's like, you don't have to be on all the time, but you do have to learn how to turn it up and turn up the volume. Right. And I feel like in the, the way that she packaged it too, like, you're not also going to do this by yourself. No, there's a lot of people out there that are like, that can be like, oh, this person needs to step it up and this person needs to do better and blah, blah, blah. But they're not actually giving them 
a blueprint or an actual way to step up or to do better. It's just, here's an instruction, but I'm not going to actually give you directions on how to actually complete this task that I think is what you need to do. Yeah. And and then there's a lot of people that get those instructions and make excuses for why they're not completing them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Ella, you just made a face. Do you want to say something about yeah, that? <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with her wholeheartedly. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I feel like this is a perfect way to segue into the breast breakup segment. I want to start with Joanna. Actually, I'll start with Ella. I'll give Joanna a break. Ella, um, what was your best breakup? And uh, as always, this could be romantic. It could be a work breakup. It could be a breakup with an idea or a theory. Um, Whatever it is. What was your best breakup? There's just been so many. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the, I don't know, the most recent one. Um, okay, well, that one is easy. Um, I am loving so <laughs> what's happening. <laughs> what I see you guys like looking and laughing like some something went out. Some some shit went down. Okay. Yeah, yeah. The um you know the, the most recent one would, would definitely be where um we 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 allowed somebody into our life. Um, that just, you know, not, not a bad person, but just, um, I don't want to use the term. I don't want to use the term sick. What else could I, could I use? Confused? Yeah. Let's go. Let's go with confused. Just, uh, you know, a confused person. When I say confused, I mean, confused about how one, um, conducts themselves, uh, confused about the fact that in a relationship there's a give and a take, not just a take. Appropriate boundaries. Appropriate boundaries. Mm-hmm. And so we we became friends with this person, and this person slowly started to weave themselves deeper and deeper into our lives, um, and just started spreading the toxicity around myself her, our significant others, my children. Oh, wow. It was, yeah, it was, you know, it was really, really very intense. And, you know, to, to some extent, I and all of us would, would, would believe what this person was, was saying. Um, and there was definitely some, there, there, there was a, a rift between all of us. Yeah. Because the person was trying to divide and conquer you know we've always been very close and so this person kept trying to divide us uh in order to weave themselves further into the single relationships with with that person and so that was um that came to a grinding halt it was messy there was a lot of yelling there was um yeah, just, you know, real, real upsetting, uh, real hurtful. And what the reason that that was the best breakup is because that is when her and I really started to um, stop people and do a full cavity search and you, before letting them. You and, you and Joanna, her and I. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
really just stopping them at the door and doing a full cavity search of what those intentions really were and really listening to our gut about this person and then listening to each other. Because in this relationship, probably about two months before I realized it, she realized it. Um, And she started coming to me and saying, hey, something isn't right here. This doesn't sound right. And I just, I wasn't listening. So it wasn't until I experienced what she was talking about that I was able to go, oh my God, you're right. So, you know, definitely best breakup because we started paying attention, started being super mindful about the people that we let into our lives, really started examining and breaking down what their intentions were and do those intentions align with our vision, um, be it individual or as co-business owners. Um, and what are the effects that that person is going to have on our lives? Be it through like, okay, I'm letting you into my space. I have three young children. You are now becoming a role model essentially to my children. So if you are doing stuff and saying stuff that I would not want my children to grow up and say or do, I I can't let you into my space. Um, you may be a great person, but you're not getting in. So that that's the one for me. <laughs> that was the single white female. That was the single white female that you're talking about. Oh, yeah, it was like that. It was like a single white female situation. <laughs> Whoa, that's like my biggest fear. <laughs> yeah, it came true, and we spent a few months trying to figure out how we even got there to begin. Wow. With. Yeah. It's like it's a lot. Of- but I'll tell you something funny. A few months later, there was um, there was a post that we saw, and the entire time that this was happening, I was like, "Yo, man, I think this girl's like stealing clothes from me." And and so I shoot her a text one day, a screenshot, and I'm like, "That's my dress." No way! <laughs> Holy smokes! Uh-huh. What? So yeah. That's yeah, cool. yeah. Really? So sorry. <laughs> wow. Yikes. Holy crap. I was gonna say that that seems like that was also a um a trust experience that you had to go through too. Like Joanna was like, hey, heads up, this is kind of weird. But now you're at a point where you completely trust her where she's saying, Hey, I don't think this person belongs in our circle, and you'll be at a high alert. Mm-hmm. Wow, Joanna, what was your best breakup? Um, my divorce. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I um I got married really young. I married an infantry soldier. I married my high school sweetheart. Mm-hmm. It was very romantic. It was very intense. He went to war. I did the whole thing, the whole nine yards. Very, very intense, intense relationship. Yeah. Um, And it was very bad. And I left him with a lot of help. And like, I still say this to this day, there is no fuck you moment. Like, uh, I'm leaving you. And I don't need any belongings. And I don't care if I never marry again. But I'm fucking out of here. Sayonara. Fuck yeah. That is like the greatest high ever. Ever, ever, ever. I have an actual bar chart of financial success after getting divorced. Which is ironically a lot of women's fears. Yeah. 
yeah, the the confidence boost that I got from finally just admitting to the world what was going on and getting out of there and moving on and not feeling bad about myself anymore was just legendary, like really, really legendary. And I still feel it now. Like I still have these moments of like, fuck it, I'm hard as nails. Like, let's do this. We can, we can knuckle down and like bear through this. I've been through worse. Yeah. Yeah. That was the best. That's really awesome. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. All right. So, um, I want to talk about your businesses. Let's talk about what badass boss ladies you are. So, um, starting from the top. The first one. Yep. The apiary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the Apiary is a health and wellness collective that is located here in sunny Orlando, Florida. And we have right around 13, 14 practitioners uh, ranging from acupuncture physicians, mental health counselors, yoga therapists, massage therapists. Um, let's see. We have life coaching, behavioral analysis. We have a, an, um, a behavioral analyst. Analyst. Yes. Yep. Um, we have a part-time esthetician. Yep. Yeah. I think that's everything. And so the that we opened up the apiary was because we we both had had the experience of working for someone else in the health and wellness industry that wanted to take advantage of us and really monetize our skill set. Again, lots of taking, not a lot of giving. And so what we found is that amongst yoga teachers, amongst um health and wellness professionals in general, um, there was a propensity to not be able to walk the walk and talk the talk because they were too busy trying to figure out how to just run their business with, you know, um, high overheads and, you know, rental space and how am I going to market myself and where am I going to, uh, how am I going to decorate the office and, and all of this stuff. So what we came up with was, okay, if we create the space, we handle marketing, we um, make it beautiful, we get all of the licensing, and all of these folks have to do is come in, rent the space, and take care of their people, we've removed all of the um, obstacles, they can actually live the life that they want others to. Right. That's a genius idea, and I personally thank you for it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. So whose idea was to come up with the apiary? It was, it was really like mostly Ella. Um, I'm, I'm like the, I'm, I'm like the secret dreamer, but she's the loud dreamer. Like I'm like the romantic whimsical dreamer in, in our business relationship. And Ella is like, take out eight billboards. So what usually happens when we settle on a business idea is that we both are having the same thoughts just on different sides of the coin. So while Ella saw the propensity for, frankly, monetizing in a way that I just wasn't able to at that time period, I saw the outreach that came with this. I saw the new mold of building a wellness center where 
we stop making caring about your clients as a requirement because you should already give a shit because you're a healthcare practitioner. This was a space that was built by healthcare practitioners for healthcare yes. practitioners who actually care about their job. And so I was very whimsy with that when we first got started and very in love with being able to offer that space to the community because as uh, massage therapists, I got really used to being people's secret diary and you don't realize how much you affect people's life until you talk to them one day when they're on the other side of something and they say, you know, your presence in my life has been really important. And it's a really big, um, it's a really big responsibility. And the truth is it's really hard to have those responsibilities and have that caring nature, but also make enough money to not burn yourself out. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so it was Ella's kind of brainchild or she was a loud advocate for it. Um, what was the, what were the rumblings of the apiary, Ella? Um, well, I found myself. If, I mean, if, if you want to talk about it, we don't have to. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I found myself in a toxic business relationship. It, it wasn't working out. The visions did not align. The, um, the heart didn't align. Um, yeah. Not good, not bad. Just, just it wasn't going to work. And um, again, I had someone telling me, "Hey, this isn't right. Uh, you can do better." So I, she says that I'm the loud dreamer, but she was also very vocal in advocating for my sanity. And so she teamed up with my husband who, you know, was watching me come home and cry and stay up all night and worry. And they, they basically dragged me out of this relationship. And that's how the apiary came to be. I mean, it was literally over a month. We, we found a, a place. We completely renovated it. We got licensed by all of the necessary um, city and county offices, and we were in business. When it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Okay, so next up is Wella. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this is great because I, um, I think the way the schedule works out, this episode comes out on the week of 420, which yeah. I think is appropriate. Yeah. I want to talk about Wella, and I, I do, I forgive me for not asking before, but I do want to talk about how um, CBD plays a role in your well-being. Um, so when Ella and I first opened the Apiary, we were co-treating a lot of people in the stroke and traumatic brain injury community. And that was the first group of people that we started hearing about CBD from. And they were telling us just almost on a daily basis, the changes that they were noticing. And that is a community yeah. of people where like change is so noticeable. Uh, and we 
got really curious and I got really curious because I, um, I have definitely had drug issues in the past. And so when you have anxiety and you know, you have the propensity for that, the last thing that you want to do is take a Xanax, but I can't always self care out as anxiety in the time period I need it to go away in. And life goes on. I own a business. I have a relationship. I can't ask everybody to like stop and pause for my mental health all the time. So I really got interested in just trying CBD myself. Um, And I went to like a little crummy bodega here in town and bought a bottle long before I knew anything about it or any amount of testing. And I took it and... I was like shitting a brick for the first few months. I kept going around to Ella and her husband and Mike and being like, do you think I'm high? I don't know if I've ever been this calm before. I think I'm a high. There's got to be weed in this. And I like, I couldn't stop. I bought everybody a bottle and I was like, you have to fucking take this. Like, I need to know if I'm the only one experiencing this right now. Take this. Tell me if you're get high. (laughs) Yes. Yes. For me... You know, I I didn't experience a high, but what I did experience was a severe drop in my pain. I had been in a car accident many, many years before and had several um, bones break. And I had lots of nerve pain left over. Um, I have a lot of metal in my body. And so something as simple as just laying down on my right side was impossible. And all of a sudden it was. And I was about that life. Yeah. Everything like opens up when you're painless. It's wild. Yes. Yes. So by the time, so then people started coming into the apiary and asking about it. And by the time the fifth person asked, I, I came to her and I said, there's something here we we got to look into this and so we started researching we started calling around to different labs different farms um going out and meeting people and we found a lot of people that could tell us that cbd was good for us but we couldn't find anyone that could really tell us why and so that was a problem because if we were going to introduce it here at the apiary we wanted to be able to educate the community Um, because we were already facing a huge stigma and without education, we weren't going to overcome it. Um, we also found a lot of haters, believe it or not, people that would tell us, oh, you can't get into that business. You're going to need about a million dollars to do that. That's not true. We, we launched our, we launched our CBD brand, um, like start to finish, you know, website labels everything um, under $10,000, which is a huge, it's a sizable investment, um, but it's not a million dollars. Yeah. And it's definitely attainable to somebody who wants to start a business. Like if you are business minded, if you have that goal, 10 grand ain't nothing. It really ain't. Ain't. It really isn't. Jesus. Come on. I talk for a living. Hi. So, yes, we um, we had the same conversation that we now have anytime we come up with a new business plan. We all basically sit down together and say, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I don't want to do. 
and we formed a team. So five of us own the company and we are coming into year four. Yeah. We're coming into year four now. That's awesome. So um, let's talk about Copacking USA. How did that come about? Because it's like a, it's like the birth of Wheela, right? Yeah. So, you know, Copacking happened because CBD, hemp-derived products, cannabis, medical marijuana, all blew up in the last two years. People really started to hear about, learn about, and experience the benefits of this plant. And, you know, for us, it's something that we still use daily. My mom takes it. Uh, My kids take it. I give my kids CBD probably every other day. And so there are a lot of people out there that are experiencing the same things that we experienced. And so they also want a piece of this, this green rush, which is what they, they call it. Um, and so in working with different manufacturers of hemp products, we started seeing a need for a company that could take bulk ingredients and put them into um, smaller <laughs> vessels. So that's, yeah. that's what Packing USA does. Um, you, a customer, would buy bulk hemp oil. Uh, you would have it sent to us at our facility. And we allow you to customize and build a brand. Um, Joanna will find you any kind of packaging anywhere in the world. If you want to put your CBD in a glass pink frosted bottle with a gold tip, and I really hope you don't, um, she can find that for you. Um, if you need someone to design a logo, if you need someone to um, handle your your marketing material, that's what my that's what my husband does. He's been a graphic designer for over twenty years, so he runs the graphic design department of our company. Um, I do the sales, obviously. I like to talk to people and I consider myself to be a serial entrepreneur. So it's the best job for me because I get to uh, be involved in the start of multiple businesses. Yeah. So it's fun. Um, and then Mike handles all of our um, receiving, all of our shipment and our fulfillment for our customers. Um, so what our customers get is a shelf ready product. We can help them build the brand. We have a guy that does website. We have photographers. We have everything that a person needs to go to market and make a big splash. So I I want to clarify that Copacking USA was not a thing before what or Wheela came about. Like through no. Wheela, you were, you were already doing that independently. And huh. then you were like, wait a fucking minute here we could go ahead and, and, and package this, what we are already doing as yes. a service. That is so genius. Like I, I love that. I love that so hard. You guys are so smart. It like it, I just, I'm smiling so fucking hard because it's like, God, these are so fucking smart. They're so smart. I love it. Like I just love women succeeding that are brilliant and you guys are in. It. It's really great. I freaking love it. And I love that you guys are in it together uh, that, that's beautiful. That's beautiful to me. Um, I want to be completely transparent. I am, I, I take CBD. I am a, I am a customer of Wheela. I believe in the product. I do want you guys to, 
to um, let listeners know why your CBD is so much more superior than the bodega CBD. Why should my listeners not go down to, you know, the the dollar store right up the street and um, grab that CBD? So first and foremost, <laughs> real transparent with with your listeners. Be honest. Um, there, there are a lot of people out there selling our same CBD. We have a white label product. So, you know, Mickey's CBD might be the exact same CBD that you can buy from Wella. There aren't very many manufacturers of high quality CBD. I can probably count them all on my two hands. So Mm -hmm. the chances of you finding my exact same product with a different label are very high. What the difference is and what customers need to be aware of when they're buying CBD is where does it come from? And is the person that you're buying it from willing to tell you? Mm. Because everyone wants to keep their manufacturer a secret, but there really is no need. You should be proud of the person manufacturing your your hemp oil. You should know where, like I've been to the um, to the manufacturer, I've seen the farm, I've touched the plants, um, and I'm happy to share that information with whoever wants to know. Um, so if if they're not if they're not willing to share that information, that's red flag number one. Um, they also need to be able to provide you with third party tests. Um, Again, being super transparent and having a husband in the graphic design industry, those are very easily doctored. So having a QR code that you can trace back to a lab that you can call up and say, hey, do the results on this document actually match what you have on file? That's also a really big deal. Um, because in today's industry, there is what we lovingly call, um, crock pot CBD, where people are buying flour off of Amazon or wherever, putting it in a crock pot overnight with some olive oil, straining it, putting it in a bottle and calling that CBD. That's not how you make CBD. <laughs> like the no craft. That's not good. <laughs> That's not good. Yikes. Oh my gosh. So it's not really about the brand. It is really more about if the brand can back up yeah. with can back up their their claims with actual facts. Correct. Correct. So when you look at um when you look at the way people in the THC sector of cannabis advertise their product in relation to the way that people in the CBD sector are advertising the biggest difference that you see is that in the THC sector the strain itself is treated like a formula they give you all the different ratios of all of the different cannabinoids because they can because the certificates that are needed to be a legitimate business owner in that industry are very strong. You have to prove the seed, you have to prove the strain, you have to prove what you're saying, it has to be on your packaging. And so that is slowly making its way into CBD. Um, CBD and THC are definitely two very different markets 
there are frankly a lot more small time cultivators um, functioning in the THC world who are able to supply dispensaries in states where it's recreationally legal with their particular strain. It's like their formula that they've crafted. They've grown it. This is why it's the best. And they will give you a full breakdown of that. But because CBD is low, is um, mostly populated by, like what Ella said, a few large-scale manufacturers, really the majority of the country is probably taking the same seven to eight strains of hemp in CBD. And we likely will see a switch and we'll see a lot more craftsmanship and we'll see a lot more precision now that laws are coming out and people can really set foot. Because prior to that, the only way to do this was to have a lot of money. And most of the people with a lot of money were coming from industries like engineering and stock brokerage. So there's a lot of non-farmers in the CBD world. Yeah. Now, like if you want to talk about what sets our brand apart, you know, excluding the product, um, we have always been 100% about, again, breaking that stigma, educating the public, uh, letting them know that, you know, CBD is not about getting high. It's about getting healthy. If you want to get high, good for you. We're not against it. We love the whole plant and all of the cannabinoids and what they do. But for this particular brand, the brand that we wanted to um, create, the brand that we wanted to push was one that would be socially accepted, um, one that people like doctors, acupuncturists, chiropractors, massage therapists, people in the health and wellness industry would want to carry because it, it had the, the look the feel of something that was good for you. Um, on the other side of that, we mm -hmm. want to support our community. Um, I am a huge dog lover, uh, as you are, Asada. And so when we created Wella, that was my that was my one ask is that we have a pet line. Um, so we pick a different dog rescue every month and whatever we sell on the pet side we take a generous percentage and we give it to that rescue for their continued efforts um so yeah that's you know that i think that's that's what sets us apart is that we really are about um community education and community partnership and building that that cannabis community and we have we have an ethos and we're sticking to it. We we really do believe in health and wellness. We really do believe in alternative care. Everybody on the team actually uses CBD. We're we're never going to sell vape cartridges. You know, we're never going to advocate smoking. We're never going to advocate CBD hand sanitizer. You know, there are that <laughs> Is that a thing? That is totally No. That on. is totally <laughs> like uh, this is where it kind of breaks my heart in the sense of we have there is something really um great and I don't want to be like too woo woo about it but it is something really great and and very um in a sense pure purer than you know the steroid shots that they that the doctors wanted to give me and all that stuff for my pain but um when I see it 
being bastardized, <laughs> like hand sanitizer. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. We can do better. We can do better. What is it? My favorite one to date is CBD mascara. No. Girl, it's anything for eyelashes. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. They're not going to grow. They're not new extensions. It's not. The CBD doesn't yeah. like go through the eyelash and into your, your body. No. No, we were we were at a at a cannabis convention in Vegas a month ago, and there was a company selling a CBD pillow. Mm-hmm. That doesn't even make any sense. Yes, right? but see the the thing is is that's because you're educated, and that is our that was our staunch principle from the get go. There are some things we are not allowed to bluntly say due to current FDA rulings. But we go as far as we can to educate the public so that they actually understand what CBD does and that it's no longer this mystery, miracle thing that just cures everything. Like They know this is the point of it. Yeah, and I know that that's something I appreciate about you two is that you go out of your way to explain and educate the public. So that way, I I mean, because I remember when I came in and I met you guys for the first time, I came in because it was your, uh, I think you guys were having like open hours and you were just explaining what CBD was. And I was looking for something for my pain because I'm an aerialist and I do stupid ass shit, like flip upside down on it's stupid. And, but it's also pretty badass. So I'm going to keep doing it. So I need something to help me recover. And I need something also that I can be pain-free, but also be able to spot human beings up in the air and they can trust me with their safety. Cause that's a thing. Like I can't be stoned teaching a class cause people will die. So when it came time for me to figure out, okay, I really need to do something about this and I can't be getting shots in my shoulder and I can't be taking these pain pills that like, like very much like you, Joanna, there is addiction and isms that run in my family that I am aware of. And I know myself, if I like something a lot, I'm going to keep doing it. I will keep eating it. I have issues with sugar and and candy and things like that, where it's like, girl, you can't handle Smarties. Do not do cocaine. Do not do any, don't do real drugs because you can't handle it. And I know that about myself. So I was like, okay, I need to figure out something that will help with the inflammation. And I really appreciated the fact that I went in just like completely Duh. what exactly are cannabinoids? What is like, what is THC? I didn't know exactly what THC was. And you were patient enough to explain it to me, which made me feel comfortable taking it, which therefore changed my life, like truly changed my life, changed how I can teach, changed what I'm able to do. And it's, and it's pretty fantastic. But I, but I think the crux of it was the education. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are awesome. I love you guys. Thank you so much for joining me. I want you to promo and let people know where they can find you, where they can find some Wheela CBD. Um, Go. Okay. So if you're in the Orlando area and you need any of the services that we talked about at the apiary, you can go to apiarywellness.com or you can find us on Instagram at the apiary orlando 
The apiary also has a CBD store, which is closed at the moment due to <laughs> the current status. Um, but you can come see us and uh, we will do the same thing with you that we did for Asada. We will sit down and answer all of your questions about CBD and help you find the right product for you. If you want to uh, get yourself some CBD, just go to wearewella.com. We're on Instagram. It's at wearewella, W-E-L-A. Um, we're having a social distancing sale. So everything is 40% off and will be until this nonsense is over. So definitely take advantage of that. Pick up some CBD. And if you're interested in starting your own CBD brand, uh, definitely reach out to us at Copacking USA. And we will help you and guide you and uh, get you to market. Wellness Warriors, hit them up on all of their social media channels. Get you some CBD. Come into the apiary. Get your body right. And yeah, if you want to start a CBD brand, do, do, do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. Ella, Joanna, I love you guys so much. I hope yeah. you guys are safe and I will talk to you guys soon. Okay. Bye. Well, that's the show, Wellness Warriors. I hope you enjoyed it. Please rate and review this podcast episode on whatever listening platform you're on. And if you really liked this episode and you got a bunch of tidbits from it, let me know. Follow me on social media and comment on a post. Let me know what you enjoyed about the episode, some gem drops that you really appreciated from Joanna and Ella. I know I wrote down a few myself. I will link all of their handles on the show's show notes so you can find them and follow them and um, get on with your wellness journey. I will be back next week with a follow-up interview with the incomparable Paige Anderson. But until then, wellness warriors, be brave, be light, be well. 